Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ashley and here with me today is Erin. Erin has been plant-based for a month, y'all, a month, and she is going to share us her story. She's actually going to share a story that made both of us tear up in our interview. So Erin, she is an ordained clergy person in the United Methodist Church and CEO of Real Nation, a virtual women's fitness community consisting of 280 plus women around the world. She's based out of London and Erin helps women nurture rhythms of self-care while mentoring a team of female entrepreneurs, creating high impact coaching businesses of their own. Erin holds a bachelor's in political science and a master of divinity degree from Duke university, which is just down the road from where I live. She is a wife to Henry and a mother to Ella, who is four and Nadia, who is one, all of whom are fueled by 100% plants. Please join me in welcoming Erin to the show. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm all the way from London. So how cool that we get to connect across the world. Yes, I'm so excited. So I met Erin basically via social media. We've done a couple lives together on Instagram, which we'll link below if you want to check those out. But Erin, I'm really excited for you to share your story and to highlight the fact that you've been plant-based for a month. So you are like fresh into this. Yeah, I'm a newbie. (laughs) Which is good because we have a lot of newbies listening and we have people who are thinking about transitioning or just starting to transition. So I just cannot wait for you to kind of share your perspective on what it's been like. Before we even get to that, I would like you to kind of take us back to basically what led you to kind of researching and looking into going plant-based, basically what led you to this point? Sure. So I grew up eating meat. I was such a happy omnivore. Uh, and that made a lot of sense because my mother actually grew up on a dairy farm, a multi-generational dairy farm. So before my grandfather died, he actually wrote like a memoir about his life as a milkman and how he used to wake up at four o'clock and put the bottles out and all of this. And so I grew up in a milk and dairy culture and my, my family is then got really into cattle raising, cattle herding, cattle ranching, wrangling all the cattle. (laughs) And they actually plan their life around like hunting seasons. This is in sort of rural Florida where that's just a really part of who we are. So then fast forward and I meet my husband who is South African. And if you have never met a South African, their idea of a good time is sitting around on a Sunday and like grilling meat for four hours. And sometimes it's like bring your own meat. It's called a braai, which made a lot of sense because when South Africa was very new as a nation, early Europeans would go on these along what they call the vortreks, the the voyages into the savannah. And so they didn't have time to grow vegetables. So what they do is they would hunt, they would dry that meat and into sticks, bultong, burwosh, these kinds of things. And that became, it's like fancy beef jerky. And that's still a part of their culture. So you get like, you would go in these giant meat hooks, you pick your, uh, your bultong, your, your beef, and they would shave it off into these little, like almost looks like window panes. You could see through the meat, but it's absolutely raw. It's just dried. So I grew up 
eating this, I fed it to my kids, you know, (laughs) of course, and some weird things started happening. So about around 2017, my mother-in-law watched a documentary about what's called the Banting diet. It's very similar to keto. It was developed by a physician out of South Africa, and it was basically high fat, low carb. Uh, it was based most on, mostly on anecdotal and observational evidence of him training athletes to go keto. I watched one documentary, uh, was with them in London, and they were eating. They were just in that first week of this keto switch for their family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I can eat bacon every day. Okay. Like sign me up. Yep. <laughs> I was like, wait, I can eat like full fat milk. And I can eat my berries with cream. Like these were actually things that I started to do for an entire year. Mm. Some great things happened. I lost some weight. You know, I wasn't hungry. I got rid of all those nasty carbs. Who wants carbs? And um, (laughs) ate mostly actually really vegetable heavy diet. But I also, in addition to a meat and vegetable heavy diet, ate three pieces of bacon a day, Mm. um, whole milk, all these things. So for entire years. So we go because I'm ordained clergy in the United Methodist Church. And at the time I had to get regular health screenings once a year because pastors go on the health insurance for the church, right? Uh So in order for us, the church has a vested interest in us living long and healthy lives, Mm -hmm. inexpensively healthy lives, right? Of (laughs) course. They want to know my cholesterol. So I go and I get it checked. Well, I say, well, Henry, you might as well get yours checked too. The physician is utterly alarmed. He calls us both in. I happen to be with Henry that day and says, look, we don't even have numbers for your age range because we don't even see cholesterol this high. But if you're a 40 year old man, because at the time my husband was maybe 29, 28, you would have about a 50% chance of a cardiac event. So my heart stops and he says, so your first step, if you don't want to go on a statin for the rest of your life, is to go to a nutritionist. So we're at Duke university, right? They were seeing Duke professor or Duke doctors. We go and she says, bring me a list of the things you're eating. So I bring my little spreadsheet of all of my bacon and my roasted chicken with skin X, Y, Z. She takes a yellow marker and she highlights and says, these are the things that are killing you. Wow. So I go back and I'm like, okay, carbs are our new BFF, Yeah. but we're going to do, we're going to be complex, right? I became like the quinoa girl and the brown rice, because I'm starting to get into fitness at this point, right? At this point, I've sort of like, I'm getting pregnant. I'm having a kid. I want to fit in my jeans. I'm too cheap to buy new clothes. And I'm like, okay, I'm just the girl who's like, no more extremes, like never toss out a food group. Stop following the Instagrammers who tell you, you can't eat something. So I become that girl, Uh huh. <laughs> yep. like include all the things girl. And, uh, my husband loses 50 pounds. My husband starts working out five days a week, 45 minutes a day, best shape of his life. We go home to Florida. Now, granted, he starts eating a little bit more red meat, just a little, once a week, gets his cholesterol check and still alarmingly high. Oh, wow. So the doctor says something about you. It's genetic, right? Which of course, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because our very meat loving South African grandfather has had a quintuple bypass, wow. which we are told is simply was sort of a voluntary bypass. I'm like, mm. I don't, I don't know that they, they cost anywhere from thirty thousand to hundred thousand dollars per bypass. I'm not sure how voluntary. So there's like, I think sometimes even the way that we narrate health stories within our own families, yep. because what I'm learning is like, thing we're told they're genetic, but we've also inherited the dietary pattern. 
And so things that just seemed inevitable aren't always inevitable. Meanwhile, my mother is gaining 120 pounds over the course of 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like watching this slow motion nutritional train wreck. So my mother struggled with chronic depression in and out of hospitalization over the course of her life and really emotional eating. So brownies with, she would actually put butter on her brownies, like, like your buttering toast. Yeah. And a lot of like hiding things, you know, stashing mm-hmm. candy bars and things. And so a lot of my leaning into nutrition was a fear of my own future that I was going yeah. to repeat. My mother contracted type two diabetes, stroke level blood pressure towards the end of her life. And eventually on her 67th birthday, she went in cause she's having chronic shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. And so they did a, a heart catheterization, which was supposed to be an outpatient procedure. So they actually put the entire catheter in. Yeah. Couldn't see anything immediately. Take the whole catheter out. She should be walking home now. She goes into cardiac arrest. She redlines in the doctor's office. So they bring out the panels. They bring her back to life. She dies again. They bring her back to life six times. My mom died and was resuscitated. So at this point, I fly home from New York. My mother is in a medical coma. They're letting her brain cool off because of all the electricity that's now flowing through her body. And when we get there, we do our MRI and there's basically no neurological functioning left. And so by the age of 31, I had removed both of my parents from life support. My dad was in a traumatic motorcycle accident with brain trauma, half a million dollars, medical bills. And then my mother now, cardiac arrest. I watched this with my mother. I watched this with Henry's grandparents. And now my husband's sitting in that hot seat, right? Right. And I was just like, not another one. I'm not doing this again. So I stumbled upon a podcast by Deliciously Ella. Do you know her? I do. Uh huh. Deliciously Ella. And like somehow, I don't, I think I was just like Googling like nutrition things of like cholesterol. I think I just typed in cholesterol because I was looking for a way to tweak my husband's diet. For instance, mm. I've always wondered about eggs. They're like an on the table, off the table in the media thing. They sure are. Yep. And we were eating like six eggs a day as a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they were from Happy Chicken. In fact, I live in the south of England near the Surrey Hills. We have the happiest chickens around. Of I actually got my, my eggs and my chicken delivered to my door from a real life 2021 milkman in my English village. So I'm like, I'm doing it right. Okay. Yeah. But I'm nervous because of this whole cholesterol thing. It is. And I think that's how I stumbled upon this podcast by Nutritional Yella and a plant-based nutritionist she was interviewing. Then the second most popular podcast after hers was Dr. Greger's Nutrition Facts. Mm -hmm. And he had a whole series on cholesterol and statins and their efficacy. And at at the end of every one of his episodes, he'd always be like, but of course, if you want to avoid heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, you could merely do that with a plant-based diet. And I was like, huh, why didn't anybody tell me this? This led to basically the past four months, four weeks of my life, which has been like two hours a day of just being fascinated that my mother didn't have to die, that my husband doesn't have to, Mm. and that I'm potentially saving his life. And that's what's led me here and kind of even pivoting my Instagram a little bit to be like, because I have, I mean, I'm a micro influencer. I am not like a big hot potato or anything, but, you know, just sharing these little tidbits. I've had 70 women go plant-based just this month with me. And I'm like, but like, why not? You have nothing to lose and only something to gain. So yeah, that's kind of my, how I got here. 
And Erin, it's so obvious on your Instagram, how enthusiastic you are and not just enthusiastic, but you are diving deep into the research so that you can give other people this information that you probably wish you had so many years ago. Absolutely. Cause to me, I mean, I'm like Michael Greger in this sense, like Dr. Greger, uh, cause his own grandmother was saved through Pritikin's work, right? So his grandmother had, um, they had run out of plumbing in her heart. She had in-stage heart disease. She was told to go home and die. And instead she checked into a hospital with Pritikin and uh, completely reversed her heart disease and lived another 30 years. And so it's like, this to me is a justice issue. This is a like saving women's lives issue, saving the money and pain. And here's the thing, I have sat with two of my parents, I have watched them die. Mm-hmm. Most children have not done that yet. And if you have, if you realize that most end of life diseases, whether it's going to be fatty liver disease, kidney disease, heart disease, eventually you're going to get to the life support stage. Mm-hmm. And then do you know how your, your loved one is going to die? It's either asphyxiation or choking, like something because they're not going to die from the morphine yeah. or the pain. They're not going to die they're either, or starvation. My, my father died of starvation and my mother um, died of organ failure, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I remember I was sitting in this hospital with my mother and all of these things were beeping, these noises. And I was all alone because my sisters were doing like shifts and we weren't yet in hospice. We were waiting for a hospice bed to make her comfortable. But in the meantime, all we could do is ask for morphine. And I remember in tears, the doctor came in and I said to him, I said, people say that the end of life is sacred, mm. but this is like the seventh layer of hell. Yeah. Waiting for my mother to starve or choke. Yeah. Because that's the only way legally she's allowed to die. Mm-hmm. Because now we've gone so far in modern medicine that she's alive. Yeah. She's been, she's resuscitated six times. And so it's like, if I can prevent a woman from going through that with their own mother, with their own self, with something as simple as plants, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, that is a gift I want to give the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm over here getting emotional too, listening to your story. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible hearing just so many factors sort of driving you to where you are today. And it's so clear to me, listening to you, watching you, watching you, following you on Instagram, that there's so much passion behind this, that it's so much more than just eating plants or so much more than just a diet. And I want people who go plant-based to be able to articulate why. I think that's missing. That is missing. And if you want to call it a movement, I do. I think we're going to have to revolutionize medicine and public education. And so when your loved one says your kid needs milk, that is a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure from a grandparent. That's a lot of pressure from your school. And I want you to be able to self-educate, to know why, why you're making a good decision. That's why, I mean, I don't want to be like the weird evangelical vegan girl. So I'm trying to find like the balance. Mm-hmm. I would love to know like your thoughts on that. <laughs> a lot of it is educating yourself so that you can articulate why this is so important to you. Because when you're able to express that to someone in a, in a space that is open and the person's receptive, it's so clear as to, again, why this is important to you. That it's, again, it's just not just the way of eating. It goes so much deeper than that. And it can help someone else 
understand you and why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Aaron, how has this past month been? Give us all the details. So I go right in. Okay. If you were watching you this and you're like, should I go vegetarian? It's like a stepping stone girl do it or guy, if you're listening to this, because I'm a big fan of like, you're, if you don't feel the full benefit, you might not go all the way. Right. So just like it's with three weeks of your life, you can do it. So the physicians committee of responsible medicine is sort of the leading plant-based body in the U S and they have sort of this take one week to plan the foods that you can eat that are plant-based and then spend the next three weeks of actually doing it, proving yourself that you can. I like, didn't even take the week really. <laughs> Maybe it took like three days. And then the more I read, the more I looked at the cottage cheese in my fridge and I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I literally came to my in-laws. I gave them all of the bottles of fresh organic milk that I had from my local happy cows. Yep. And I said, God bless, use it for your lattes. And I did a dramatic switch. I had never, I think I've had tofu twice before this month. Uh -huh. <laughs> I did not know what tempeh was or jackfruit and comes in a can. So there were like these things I had heard from our mutual friend, actually, Jenny, yes. um, Jenny Perry. If you're listening to this, you are like, Jenny Perry is responsible for most good decisions in my, my life as <laughs> a human. Amazing. And this is one of them. <laughs> and she'd been plant-based for a while. Um, and so I basically looked at the things in my life that were meat or, or dairy based, the eggs in the morning, the milk in my coffee slash oatmeal and the meat that we had at dinner. Cause we were already having basically salads, um, mm -hmm. for lunch. And I was like, okay, so I'm just going to Google some basic minimal ingredient tofu recipes to start prove to myself that I can do that. Jenny said something about steaming some tempeh. So I was like, all right, but that was like week two. Like I didn't start fancy. Some things that I started to notice in my body were obviously fiber. So people mm. warned me. They were like, well, one girl who said she went plant-based said she got constipated. I was like, I don't know how that happened. That could maybe, that was not my case. But I also, it wasn't an extraordinary difference, probably because I already had a pretty vegetable heavy diet. Mm -hmm. But my kids, oh, I was telling right. you this. Yes. My 15 month old girl started pooping something crazy. I mean, like she used to poop once a day, my 15 month old. And now she poops easily like three times a day, which is great because colon cancer runs my family. I'm like, clean it out, girl. Yes. Clean it out. Yes. <laughs> now I will say I was ravenously hungry the first week. And you and I were talking about this in the live. And mm -hmm. I think that it has a lot to do with the calorie density of our food and retraining your eyes. Cause you look at the exact same quantity of food. Like, let's say I swapped my eggs for my tofu or something like this. I think it's just not going to have the same caloric punch. And so I might get a little hungrier two hours later. And then though I struggle. So it's like, okay, well maybe I need more fat, but I'm out of avocados. And I don't want to overdo the nuts. So I just, I had to think, okay, how am I going to find this right balance and not give up? This is the message I want people to take home. Just because you don't do it perfect the first week when you're learning about your body doesn't mean it's not good. You've got, you're undoing a lot of stuff inside your body yeah. and you're retraining your eyes and your brain and your stomach for what this feels like. 
So now, gosh, I'm only four weeks in and I feel like I've been doing it for forever. Ah. I'm not hungry anymore. I've like done jackfruit. I still haven't done satan yet. Satan, mm-hmm. satan you're right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I still crave meat sometimes. Yeah. But, I, but it's not a craving. Henry and I were talking about this, my husband. It's just like if we see something, let's say on a billboard or our in-laws mention it, it like feels like a good idea. We're like, ooh, yeah, like barbecue. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think it, it's also because of the, the memories associated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this food is culture, food is memory. And so I think, honestly, I'm, this isn't a one-for-one comparison, but like when you lose a loved one, you know how they say the first year is the hardest because you have to get through the first Christmas mm. and the first birthday and the first, yeah. I think when you go plant-based, there's this similar like slight mourning period mm-hmm. of like, I have to go through my first plant-based Christmas. My daughter has her first birthday two days oh. and I'm going to have to make my first dairy-free cake. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I mean, I'm not feeling like sentimental about it necessarily, but it's another first. Yeah. And where it might be harder than it was because I have to find a new recipe in these things. Yep. And so, yeah, I feel nostalgic about meat, but I'm just learning to embrace and love. I've never tried barbecue tofu, but I would assume it's a thing. Ooh, <laughs> yes. And there you go. I've, I'm participating in the barbecue and I'm doing it in a plant-based way. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, I like that you highlighted that as well, that it's natural to kind of see something and be reminded of like, Oh, you know, remember when we used to have barbecue with our friends or whatever it is, because food is so much more than just food. Like you said, it's culture, it's memories, it's celebrations, like a birthday. And I think that's a beautiful way to say that, that just because like you see something and you're like, Oh man, that does sound good. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually perfectly normal, especially when you're starting out on your journey. Um, and I like Aaron too, what you said, you had said something about, you haven't really done anything fancy. And a big part of this was, well, you highlighted that the physicians committee, how they recommend planning that first week. And I think those two things are really important. You by no means have to do anything fancy. You don't have to make these like crazy bowls that you see on Instagram that are really, really colorful. You can have rice and beans and tofu and make it really simplistic if that's what you want to do. And also that planning piece, especially in the beginning stages does make it so much more sustainable, especially if you're, wa- you're wanting to go plant-based a lot quicker than over the course of, of several years, which is what I did. So I, I love that you highlighted that as well. And just a, a quick, like um, logistical tip, if it's helpful. So I just have a very simple note on my phone. And basically um, I think of meal planning in three categories, soy, beans, and pasta. Like it's just really simple. Mm-hmm. And I pick two entrees a week and it's either going to be like a soy and a pasta soy being either tempeh tofu or satin mm-hmm. satin or a pasta, let's say, but it's about to be a high protein pasta for us. I like, like buckwheat pasta, lentil pasta, yeah. something that's fortified to give me even more protein. Um, or it's a bean base. It's a bean burrito. It's a chickpea chili. So that in the reason why I give this practical tip to people because I think people say, oh gosh, I'm going to be plant-based and how I'm just going to eat beans like forever, just beans. Okay. One, there's like 150 types of beans, but two, think about your life as a meat eater. You ate like five animals 
you ate a cow, a chicken, a pig, a turkey, (laughs) and fish. Like, so really your meal planning was only using these five proteins, but you cut them differently. You sauteed them differently. X, Y, Z, the exact same thing. I've simply swapped my animal categories for soy, beans, and pasta. And suddenly it's like a whole, it's simple enough and yet broad enough that I have this culinary like cornucopia of ideas. And so I have this simple note on my phone and I just do one, two. And I'll put like, like this week for me was Korean barbecue tempeh. And then I put a dash and I put a link to the, um, a vegan version that I like that does not have a lot of ingredients because I want my meal prep to be as fast as I can. And if I'm there, like, you know, going to the Asian market and getting this weird ingredient, like I need it to be pretty simple. Yeah. Then I've got number two this week we had, oh, oh, so good. It was actually, it wasn't a, it was inspired by a deliciously Ella, but I found an even better recipe, I think, for red coconut doll with lentils, red lentil doll. Oh, so good. Yes. And we're having that on brown rice. So that's it. Two, two recipes. And then I don't even plan how I'm going to do my sides. This is what I do. I get a local produce box and whatever the farmers give me, I eat. And I just ask myself, how can I make, if I roast my zucchini last week, maybe I'm going to saute it this week and I'm going to add sesame seeds this week. And next week I'll do a balsamic drizzle. Like, I think we eat with our eyes too. So when I meal prep, like if you guys ever follow me on Instagram, I usually uh, share my meal plans, including links on a Thursday. And then I'll give you like a recap on a Sunday or a Monday of what I did. And so I actually lay out all of my containers. I prep five days for three people, uh, basically three meals. The only thing we do fresh in the morning is like we do our tofu in a skillet and our fresh oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you lay it all out. And then I'm a big fan of toppings, right? So I have like my sesame seeds and I'm like a fairy. And I'm like, I'm going to sprinkle you. I'm going to sprinkle you. I get my little balsamic drizzle. I'm going to drizzle you. And mm-hmm. so by the end of it, it's like this rainbow feast that my husband's coworkers are now jealous. Yes. And this is how like, like the NFL, like if you watch the game changers, I saw your amazing post about like uh, Netflix documentaries I need to watch. Yes. And I was like, I need to save this post right now. But like, it started with the, I don't remember what football team it was, but like their, one of their main players went plant-based and yes. all the other players were like, cook me some of that. Yep. Yep. And that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know exactly. That gosh, she's an amazing vegan chef. It's like a wife of one of the football players, right. That cooks for all of them or a bunch of them. Yes. Yeah. Looks so good. And I, I think I really like what you highlighted too. What you're doing is like reducing that friction of going plant-based. Like you're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to go plant-based by again, having your meal prep containers sort of all lined up. I've seen them. It's gorgeous. I love, I love the like picture of all your meal prep in your containers. And then also too, like you're making it really appealing to the eye. So it's really beautiful. It's colorful and you're including some variety in there. It could be the same food, but you're cooking it differently or the same ingredient, but you're just approaching it in a different manner. And I think that's the key too, is how can I make this as simple as possible? Cause we are so good at overcomplicating things. And that's a lot of what you've done is just, how can I make this easy? You know, utilizing my produce box, produce box, um, kind of using those plant-based proteins that I know I like and enjoy that type of thing, which is genius. So for someone who is 
thinking about going plant-based or is kind of where you are. Maybe they've had a family member that's had a health scare or they themselves, their doctors talking to them about going on medication or something related to that. What, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's kind of where you were four weeks ago or more of thinking about going plant-based? So your first stop needs to be nutritionfacts.org, I think. And particularly right. the nutritionfacts.org um, podcast, Nutrition Facts podcast. I mean, this was my entryway. They're yeah. so short. It's like 20 minutes on literally any ailment that you have, I've either uh, trending towards, have a genetic disposition for, have already been diagnosed with. So Alzheimer's stroke, high blood pressure, hypertension, heart disease, anything, colon cancer, Parkinson's, type that in and just listen to the research. And then go read the study for yourself. Because the big issue I had was like, am I just falling for this hippie propaganda? Mm -hmm. And I should note, so my sister went plant-based, gosh, like 10 years ago. And my other sister followed suit like eight years ago. And I thought, oh, they're just like, I don't know. One of them is like a hardcore hippie, like bruiser of wine, tie-dye t-shirts, the whole nine yards. Yep. <laughs> um, the other one, I think, I was like, oh, she probably has some good points, but I just, I didn't give it the time of day. Yeah. And now I'm like, gosh, I could have saved a lot of anthrosclerotic plaque in my arteries. <laughs> How do I listen to them? Uh, so nutrition facts for me was about not being, uh, actually looking at the original sources, which Dr. Greger is very meticulous about. So if yeah. you're like a skeptic like me and you need the facts, he's your, your one-stop shop. So I, that's how I started. I mean, I looked up statins, which by the way, if your doctor is telling you you need a statin, so both of Henry's grandparents are on statins. And so this was a big point of maybe contention with my in-laws because it said, if Henry needs a statin, put him on a statin. Like this, yeah. you don't want to mess with a heart attack. <clears throat> By all means, I will put my husband on a heart on a statin. But when you actually look at the research, you realize that a statin is not effective enough. Mm. The relative risk reduction is 25%. My husband had a 50% chance of cardiac event. If I put him on a statin, he'd still have a 30% chance. Yeah. That's not good enough. Whereas Ooh. if I can get his LDL down to like 70, that of a newborn baby, <laughs> that, that of plant-based cultures, he would be basically heart attack proof. Yeah. So then the other argument you get is like, oh, well, I, but I'm within the normal range. I also want you to go to nutrition facts <laughs> and like learn what is normal. Because if you look at the Japanese LDL, their range of normality, their high end is our low end. Mm -hmm. So just because you're told you're at the higher of, an, of a normal range, that's on a Western diet that is keeling over every 33 seconds from heart disease. Yeah. So like, I don't want to be a part of this normal. I want to switch my normal. And so again, having the education, if you're a newbie like me, I mean, you don't have to be as nerdy as me because I admit I am nerdy about this stuff. Um, but it would just, it would, you know, on your little commute to work, if you've got 10 minutes to listen to a podcast once a day to affirm a major life choice you've made, right? I mean, I'm going to be honest. So I'm a pastor, right? So I, I'm a practicing Christian. You, the reason why people go to church is to affirm a major life decision that they've made about how they're going to spend their money, how they're going to spend their time, how their ethics, if you are going to be voting with your fork three times a day in a direction for the rest of your life, you should know why. And mm -hmm. it should be a compelling enough why you can't make a fear-based decision forever. 
Yeah. This, this is what I learned from uh, Dean Ornish, who's done a lot of the reversing heart disease research. He's a big believer. He's like, I can take you sitting in a doctor's office. I can take your fear when you get that diagnosis. And for about two months, I can change your behavior. But, but the fear of death is too overwhelming as humans. We can't think about that forever. Yeah. So you have to think about the benefit. So that's also what I'm trying to do in my Instagram is like, how do I tell you, I just made a post today about, well, I designed it about like the six superpowers you can unlock in your body. Mm-hmm. If you love it well, yeah. like, like sleeping better, having a better, all right, yo, I'm going to do, I'm going to say this, Ashley, I'm going there. Say you it. have a better sex life on a plant-based diet. I'm just going to say like, <laughs> things work out when you have more circulation, <laughs> you have mm-hmm. better blood like that, these are compelling reasons to stay plant-based, but you're only going to know them if you take 10 minutes a day on your commute to work and you affirm the biggest life decision you probably made other than like the career you have, the person you marry or the religion you may or may not have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that research, and I like, I think it's awesome that you highlight that doing your research can make a profound difference. Again, it helps you uncover your why, unlock your why, and just, help you realize more and more why you're doing what you're doing and be able to kind of have the research to back it up if that's what you want. And I love, I like that you mentioned your sisters because I'm sure they were like, Aaron, it's just a matter of time. They're probably talking to each other. It's just a matter of time before she goes plant-based. Literally as recent as this past summer, my sister turned on, like, I don't remember what it might've been. Um, what is it? What the health, uh-huh. the Netflix yeah. documentary in the background. And I, I watched it like for like 20 minutes on and off. And I remember opening up my laptop, Googling why, what the health is wrong. Mm. Up pops, you know, like five snarky bloggers who didn't actually cite anything, but Uh they told me in their very highly opinionated and punctuated way, uh, why it was all just nonsense. Mm -hmm. And then I shut my laptop and I put it away because people love good news about their bad habits. Yes. And you will find it if you look for it. And so I was that girl. I, I knew that my animals were probably pinned and caged and mistreated, but I was like, no, 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 no. I just, I only happy chickens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know, I just really, but now it's also unlocked this freedom in me to just be authentically outraged and not hypocritical about it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. So I, I just did this other post uh, this morning about, you know, cause I'm a Christian. A lot of people say, well, but Jesus ate fish and uh, lamb. How you riddle me that pastor. Mm-hmm. I literally, literally had a, a fellow pastor actually bring it this point like three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and so I talked about like scope and scale. Jesus ate fish while near the sea. So if you're in Indiana, or right, <laughs> like Jesus would not be chowing down on some like flounder, uh, scale. He ate it about a handful of times on high holidays. Uh, so maybe like four to six times a year. Yeah. Fine. If you can find some locally grown free range, he ate, if he ate a fatted calf, it also got to nurse with its mother first. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So as Christians just I now can authentically say these things as a pastor without, it's like the doctor who used to have the silhouette of the um, cigarette in his pocket. Uh-huh. Yep. And he's telling you not to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can I, as a pastor, have a silhouette 
of my bacon or like my bacon. I was so into keto, Ashley. My boss gave me an I Heart Bacon coffee oh. mug. Do you know why? Because I always smelled like bacon. Oh my goodness. Staff meetings in uh. the morning. And she was a vegetarian. Oh, wow. A vegetarian. She said she lived off of cake, but like, I literally like bacon was my perfume. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Say all that because I, I am the least likely person to go if you want to call me vegan or plant-based. Sure. And so I just put that as an encouraging word to those of you listening. We are like, my family's going to think I'm crazy. XYZ, I'm living that narrative with my South Africans. Yes, you are. Yes. And speaking of how is your husband doing? Like, because obviously meat was a large part of his culture. So how has that been? I don't think he could have done it if I didn't cook for him. Mm. He's on that. So he's like, Aaron, you just made it really easy. You made it easy and delicious. Yeah. And so that's why like my bio uh, on Instagram is helping women live a long, strong, delicious life. Like my brother-in-law's girlfriend is, has been longtime vegan for animal rights reasons only. Uh-huh. And she's owned it. She's like, I, the health like was never compelling to me. And she was worried I wouldn't stick with it because she was like, if it's just about health, like as soon as you're health, feel mm. healthy, you're, that's not going to be compelling long-term. And I told her, no, I know enough now. I can never look at milk the same way. I can never look at cheese the same way. Uh-huh. And I said, and if I can live a long, delicious life without meat and dairy, why not? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And if you figure out how to make food delicious. So um, he is totally on board in terms of how it tastes. What he has not mastered is like managing his energy and caloric needs. Sure. And I haven't figured out if this is like, so he says he feels tired, more tired. Mm-hmm. But one, I don't know if this is placebo because there's like this macho-ness of like, but I have to have meat. Sure. Uh, is it also like just layered on with some other impacts? Like he's in a particularly stressful season at work. He commutes like four hours a day. Uh, he hasn't been sleeping as well. Like there's a lot of factors that I think it's easy if you've made a dietary change to quickly point to that. Yep. Absolutely. That's the thing. So the real kicker is going to be the numbers. So we're going to get his cholesterol checked. He's got an appointment March 1st with his GP, his general practitioner, okay. uh, who will schedule the cholesterol panel. And it was like, gosh, I want to say like 160, his LDL alone. Oh my God. Put it in perspective. I think like Japanese folks, that's their entire cholesterol, like LDL yeah. plus HDL. His was like well in the 200s, his total. And the LDL alone is like 160 or something. I estimate it will at least hopefully be like. 120, if I can get yeah. even down to a hundred. Sure. I mean, they say it sinks like a rock. And so, and if he still needs a statin after that, fine. I'm not opposed to statins, but I'm yeah. not simply going to rely on them. And they have a lot of muscular side effects that people don't um, talk about. Mm-hmm. And I just, and the compliance rates too. I mean, most people after about four months start to skip their statin because they don't, you don't feel the heart attack. It's just like, oh, I'll just skip today. Skip today. Yeah. Yep. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you'll have to uh, update us on how that goes. Oh, so beautiful. Erin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. I just appreciate you so much and yeah, thank you. But so if someone is like fascinated and wants to connect with you, reach out with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Where can they find you? Sure. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Erin, E-R-I-N, 
dot C as in Charlie dot Roosh, my last name, R-O-E-S-C-H. And I post daily evidence-based tips on how to live a long, strong, delicious life um, with lots of meal prep things. And I pop into my DM. So by all means, like message me. I, I am a real human and I really will respond um, in between like nappy changes and life in England. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Definitely go visit Erin and say hello, tell you where you, where you came from um, and give her a follow because you will, you will not regret following her Instagram page. She has lots of tips, a lot of meal prep ideas, um, and it's all evidence-based, which if you like to nerd out, that is definitely another place to go for sure. All right, Erin. Well, thank you so much for being here and we will catch you later. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.